Good afternoon, everyone. We're broadcasting live from the AM 1160 The Quest studio. I'm Annie Porter, and in studio with me this hour, I have Steph Ike with me. And on the phone, we're blessed to have Father Jim Blunt with us again from the Society of Our Lady of the Trinity. And for those of you who might have missed the first two interviews with Father Jim, don't worry, because we have them available on thequestatlanta.com. You just have to look under the Programs tab, and you can find them there. And you can also find them on the Quest Atlanta app under On Demand Programs. And so coming up this hour, we're going to be learning more about the Flame of Love movement. Welcome, Father Jim. Thanks for joining us again today. Thank you, ladies. It's good to be back. God yes. bless all of you. Thank you. God bless, God you, bless you. We know all good things start in prayer. So would you lead us in an opening prayer, Father? Yes, let's go ahead and pray the three traditional prayers. They're just so powerful in themselves. We pray it for this interview, but also for the diocese. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And uh, Annie and Steffi, why don't we do this prayer, the, the unity prayer from the Flame of Love movement. Great. For ourselves and for the whole Archdiocese, we'll pray this awesome prayer, which brings a supernatural protection every time it's prayed. Would you say this after me? Yes. My adorable Jesus. My adorable Jesus. May our feet journey together. May our feet journey together. May our hands gather in unity. May our hands gather in unity. May our hearts beat in unison. May our hearts beat in unison. May our souls be in harmony. May our souls be in harmony. May our thoughts be as one. May our thoughts be as one. May our ears listen to the silence together. May our ears listen to the silence together. May our glances profoundly penetrate each other. May our glances profoundly penetrate each other. May our lips pray together. May our lips pray together. To gain mercy from the Eternal Father. To gain mercy from the Eternal Father. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, Thank th you. That is such a wonderful prayer. I'm wondering if we, you know, we typically like to ask you to help us with a closing prayer, and maybe we could do it again at the end, and now people know that they can also pray it with Annie and I on the follow part, so they all have that protection as well. Yeah. Yes, it's a very good practice. Um, it's a prayer given to us, I think, for this time, for the very time we're living in, and, of course, it's an approved prayer from an approved set of locutions to a mystic in Hungary. And the Lord has a way of, you know, arming his church. He has a way of preparing the church way in advance for every battle that ensues. So, really, this is a prayer for us for now. 
and it does put a supernatural protection around you and your family. And now that we're saying it over the air, it puts a supernatural protection over Georgia, over the Atlanta Archdiocese. Okay. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and so for our, all of our listeners out there, we do have that prayer available on our website at thequestatlanta.com, and you'll be soon hearing it over the airwaves because it's going to be on the air during our commercial breaks. But today, we're going to be discussing the Flame of Love movement, so you're going to be hearing all about that. Um, and many of our listeners may know that the Immaculate Heart of Mary is the patroness of our archdiocese. And in fact, last week on the Feast of the Annunciation, Bishop Ned reconsecrated our archdiocese to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So Father, could you explain to our listeners what this means? Thank you. That's a, a good question and an important question. We thank God for, for our both of our bishops, and now we have our, our archbishop in place as well, three very good men, three good bishops. And we thank you for this initiative that they took do you know the saints actually said many years ago, the fathers of the church, we're talking about like 1,500 to 1,700 years ago, they said that, you know, in the final days that the heart of the Virgin Mary would be the one sure refuge of the Catholic Church, hmm. that Mary's heart would be the, the ark of the new covenant where true Christians would find their solace and their safety. It seems like we're entering into those times. Mary's heart really is our refuge. Her heart is the Ark of the New Covenant. So it was very wise for Bishop Ned and for the bishops to renew the consecration of this great archdiocese to Mary. We have to be children of Mary. And the saints did tell us that that's the mark of a true Christian, the one who loves not only Jesus, but loves the mother of Jesus. Mm. And one reason for that would be this. You see, without humility, there is no spirituality. There's no true Christian spirituality without humility. It's hard to be a big, prideful man and to be a son of Mary. It's hard to be arrogant and also to be a daughter of Mary. To be children of Mary means that we are little girls and boys. That's what we are. I mean, only a little boy has a mama, you see? Mm-hmm. And so, really, the Lord is helping us to fulfill sacred scripture. Jesus is helping us by giving us Mary to fulfill his words in the gospel when he said, unless you become like little children, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, I'm going to give you my mama to be your mama. Don't be ashamed, he says. Don't be ashamed. Be a little boy and a little girl. But Mary, you see, is, is unbelievably beautiful. And, you know, divine beauty always finds its origin, its genesis, in love. See, in the end, it's love that's beautiful. Love is everything. And Mary's heart has never known sin. You see, every sin is a form of hatred, if you think about it. To steal something from somebody is hatred. To lie to someone is hateful. Yes, to commit adultery is terribly hateful, to be jealous. All sin is hatred. Sin or hatred has never touched Mary's heart. It's filled to the overflowing with love. Another word for love is grace. And that's why the angel said to Mary, Hail, full of grace. He might as well have said, Hail, full of love. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so you see, when our good bishop consecrated or reconsecrated this beautiful diocese to Our Lady's Immaculate Heart, he was consecrating Atlanta to love, you see. 
Mm-hmm. If you were to diagnose all the problems in the city of Atlanta and throughout the area, all of the problems like violence and drugs, you see, and, and impurity, they all come down to a lack of charity, a lack of love. So what the world needs most right now is divine love, not, not a tainted love, but divine love. And whenever we consecrate ourselves, the word consecrate comes from the Latin, con means with, and secrete with the holiness. So to make holy, to consecrate is to make one holy, to consecrate. So we have been made holy, and as we are attaching the diocese to Mary's holiness, we are attaching ourselves to Mary. And under the authority of our good bishop, then we're exercising our free will as a, as a Catholic community in Georgia. We're exercising our free will, and we're saying, Mama Mary, we want to be made holy with your holiness. We want to be with you. And so this is something actually awesome. God and Mother Mary and St. Joseph, they take seriously our prayers. When they are sincere, you see, when we exercise our free will, to draw closer to God. God loves that, and Mary loves that. St. Joseph loves that, and they take it seriously. And so we have put ourselves, you might say, under the wings of Mother Mary again. We've renewed that love. Mm-hmm. And that's something good to do. It's always good to renew our love for God. And I've never been married, but I think it must be very good for a husband to tell his wife every day, Honey, I love you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're beautiful. Bishop Sheen spoke about that. You see, he said, how can we get tired of that? But some people complain about the repetition of the rosary. But he says, wait a minute. When you pray the rosary, you're simply saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. Wow. How could be anything wrong with that? You know, no. So Bishop Ned has led all of us in saying once again to the Holy Mother of God and to God through her, we love you. We love you, Mother Mary. This archdiocese loves you. We place ourselves freely under your care. Watch over us, you who are the Ark of the New Covenant. Watch over us, cleanse us, and protect us from all harm. Wow, beautiful. That is beautiful. <laughs> and you have been talking about the consecration of the archdiocese, but we can do that too, right? We can consecrate our, our lives to Jesus through Mary. Can you share kind of the reason and the purpose why we might want to do this in a personal way, kind of the entrustment that St. Pope John Paul II called it? Yes, you know, John Paul said that there's a certain book that he read when he was a young man, before he was even a priest. I believe he was 19 when he first encountered the book through the help of a spiritual director, of a friend. By the way, that friend of his, the spiritual director, was actually a layman, a very holy, single, consecrated layman. Mm -hmm. And he led John Paul to the book called True Devotion to Mary by St. Louis de Montfort. And that book is the book really that outlines and teaches and the whole understanding of consecration to Jesus through Mary. It really all began with that book. And John Paul actually said this, which is something to consider. St. John Paul, perhaps, you know, one of the greatest men of all history, he said, this is the book that changed my life. He actually said that on several occasions. This is the book that changed my life. In fact, his papal motto, totus tuus, in the Latin, totally yours, 
comes directly from that book. And the book is about giving your, your life, and you might put it this way, is what St. Louis teaches, your baptism. See, when you and I were baptized, that was our first main and original consecration when we were baptized. That's the consecration. And when we are, when we are baptized as children or adults, we are consecrated. Is we are made holy by the presence of God, the Holy Trinity. He descends from heaven at baptism and enters our heart and begins to dwell there. That's the original consecration. That is the consecration. That's why God tells us, even in the Old Testament, be holy as the Lord your God is holy. How do you do that? You really can't. God has to do it in us. And so baptism is helping us to fulfill that biblical mandate. Through baptism, we become holy. Through no merit of our own. It's totally and completely through the merits of Jesus Christ on the cross at Calvary. We are made holy. But then we must work with that holiness, you see. We have to work with it to make it grow and expand. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just like in the old days that, let's say I was given um, a piece of property, like the, the settlers of our country many years ago. The government would have land grabs, you might call it, where people could move out west and receive like 100 acres or 500 acres, and the government would give it to them for free so the land could be cultivated, you see, mm-hmm. and the area populated. Well, it's great for the government to give me 500 acres of fertile land. That's what happens at baptism. But then I've got to go out and work the land. Mm-hmm. I mean, the land is there, and it's mine now, but if I do nothing with it, if I go there and set up a tent and keep sleeping, I will die on my land mm-hmm. with no fruit. So the land given to me, you might say, is an opportunity, but I have to work the opportunity. The same thing with holy baptism, that each of us listening, even our dear Protestant brothers and sisters, we were all consecrated to the Lord Jesus Christ and to the Holy Trinity at baptism. That's an opportunity. It's a reality. There's a prayer there. There's a holiness there. There's a presence. But it has to be cultivated. And so by giving our consecration to the Virgin Mary, as we're giving the land that we were given, the blessings we were given, when we entrust that to Mary, she helps that land to blossom, the land of our heart and our soul. She takes, she pulls the weeds out of the property, and she plants, you might say, roses and fruitful trees and bushes so that our heart, our soul, and our life begin to bear fruit for God. So Mary is a way to help us to live the consecration that is baptism. It's one thing to receive the gift. It's another to know what to do with it, you see? Mm-hmm. And so Our Lady teaches us how to live the Christian life. She was and is the first disciple of Jesus. She was the first follower of Jesus. She knows how to follow Jesus. And so when we consecrate our baptism to Mary, our Christian life, she shows us what to do with it, how to work with it to make the graces we received fruitful and and actually to make us truly holy, to make us, we dare we say it, to make us into saints. All right. We need that, don't we, Annie? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so, Father, you know, we've touched on the flame of love before in our previous talks together, but I think it would really help to kind of go back to how this movement started. Do you think you could, you know, kind of go back to the history and give everyone a little better understanding of how it started, especially for those who are just starting to tune in? Yes, the flame of love movement um course, is a fully approved movement in the Holy Catholic Church. It has received imprimaturs across the world. And in our own country, Bishop Chaput, the recently retired Archbishop of Philadelphia, he gave his imprimatur to the English version of the messages and the diary. The diary is a book of, of messages and life events of Elizabeth Kendallman. She was a Catholic laywoman in Hungary. I had the great joy to go to Hungary just a few months ago and actually went to the church uh, where she received some of these messages and was able to pray there um, at her graveside, so to speak. She's actually like and down there underneath the church. She has a special area there and prayed there. Also met with the, the Cardinal Archbishop of Budapest, um, Bishop Peter Erdo, a Cardinal Peter Erdo. Mm. It was a tremendous opportunity and blessing for us and a joy to be there. She was a Catholic laywoman and back during the times of communism. And may your listeners have no doubt, communism and socialism is a great danger to this country and to the world, a great danger. Everywhere it's been implemented, it has brought absolute devastation, murder, and persecution of the Catholic Church, wherever it's been instituted, anywhere, with no exception. And so she was in communist Hungary back there in the 1940s and 50s and 60s, and she was persecuted mercilessly by the government because she was faithful to the Lord, faithful to her Catholic faith. And they actually fired her from her job because of that. The government has complete control, you see, in communism and socialism over everything. She was fired, and she became homeless. Mm. And the thing that was so terrible about it was that she was a married woman with six children. Wow. And her, her dear husband, who was also a faithful Catholic, died as a young man. So here she was. I, I'm, I forget how old she was, maybe 30 years of age when her husband died with six small children and no job and no home. Oh. It's an incredible story, actually. One of the great stories, really, of the history of the Church is her life. And I'm going to share this with you and your beloved listeners candidly, because I think it's very compelling. And that is this, that Elizabeth Kendallman, in the midst of this terrible, you might say, tragedy, of losing her husband, of the communists persecuting her, of having no food, no job, no home. She lost her faith. She lost her faith. Mm -hmm. And I, I have to mention that because I believe that's one reason why God, in his wisdom and in his charity, chose her. Because she's like an, an icon or a symbol for the United States of America and our time and for all of Europe. Because right now we're dealing with the problem of atheism everywhere. Mm -hmm. And this poor, beautiful woman, she lost her faith. She didn't lose it maliciously. She wasn't hating God and, and hating the Catholic faith. She lost it, as, as the, even the Vatican Council II said this, she lost it out of, out of sorrow, not out of vindictiveness or hatred. She was so oppressed by the problems of the time which sounds familiar again, so oppressed that she sort of lost hope. Mm 
she stopped going to church. And here's the most amazing thing. Does God hate atheists? No, not at all. Some atheists hate God, but God doesn't hate atheists. God loves everyone. And when she lost her faith, God, our beautiful God, and there's only one God, the Holy Trinity, he's the God of perfect love. Well, this beautiful God reached down from heaven and still protected her and tried to woo her back to the faith. He let her go her way, but he never stopped looking over her. And she began to hear like a little whispering voice. And she said it was the voice of a holy priest she had known who had died recently. She used to be very close to him. He had passed away. She was hearing his voice calling her back to church. It was like a mystical experience. And thank God she obeyed. And you see how wise God is. He knows just how to touch you and I, right when we need it, where we need it, and how we need it. So our Lord knew that she was close to this holy priest, and they're just hearing his voice and sensing his presence, even though he was now in heaven. That would be the way to her heart. So that's what God did. And the voice of this holy priest brought her back to church. So she began going just, you know, very um, quietly, almost secretly, once or twice a week. She'd go back and just sit there. And just, she would give God an opening. She would give God a chance to touch her. And indeed, he did. He began to speak to her and to cultivate her. She began going back to Mass again and went to confession. God restored her faith completely. Wow. Wow. That's a very beautiful example for our time, for our people, that even if you're struggling with atheism or agnosticism, know this, that God still loves you. He still loves you. He hungers for you. You're beautiful. Let him woo you back. Go to your nearest church. Most churches are still open for prayer anyway. Go to your nearest church or sit in the quiet room of your house and open your palms upwards. Sit quietly and ask God, Lord, I can't feel you right now. I can't see you, but I need you to touch me. Come to me somehow. Come to me, Lord, and, and be my master, be my friend, be my savior. If we open our hearts to God, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, God will respond. As long as we're sincere, he's going to respond. He says in sacred scripture, draw near to me, O man, and I will draw near to you. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. So that's what Miss Elizabeth did. She drew near to God, and he drew near to her, till finally she started receiving these full-blown messages for the whole world. God must have decided this is a fit instrument for this message, because Elizabeth was going through, you might say, in microcosm, what all of Europe was going through in macrocosm. She was going through a severe challenge to her faith and to her life. So she was a fitting instrument or symbol of all of Europe and really all of the world. So God began to use her. And she went through a dry period even after that, what we call the dark night of the soul, a terrible time of spiritual battle and conflict. She would even see and hear the devil growling at her. But she overcame this through perseverance. And the Lord began to speak to her of his love for the human race, 
and his special plan for the whole world, a special plan to ignite a new flame of love throughout the world. He began to speak to her of his plan to give what he was giving to her, to give it to everyone. And he told her, the renewal of the earth will take place, he said, through the power and imploring force of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The renewal of the earth. So you can see he's talking about a worldwide plan that the Lord could see the devastation in Europe and throughout the world, you know, through World War One and World War Two and communism and the sexual revolution and all of this, the atheism and the agnosticism, the earth basically was dying. And the Lord is telling one good soul, this good Catholic laywoman, this widow and mother of six, he's telling her, just what you've been through, the whole world has gone through this. And just as I've spoken to you, I'm going to speak to the whole world. Just as I have renewed the earth of your heart, I'm going to renew the entire earth. And this will happen through the prayers of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And he went on to tell her this. He told her, this flame of love I'm going to shower on the whole world, partly, Elizabeth, through your prayers and through your sufferings. This grace from the flame of love of my mother's immaculate heart will be to your generation what Noah's Ark was to his generation. Wow. And so we're talking about something salvific, you see? Mm-hmm. Something salvific. So it's really prophetic, too, that Bishop Ned would reconsecrate ourselves, this diocese, this archdiocese, to Mary's Immaculate Heart, because the flame of love is coming out of the Immaculate Heart of Mary to renew the face of the earth. Wow. Beautiful. (laughs) Just, wow, incredible. Um, We're actually coming up on a quick break here, but let's, I wanted to ask you, Father, for those of you who are just joining us, we're broadcasting live out of the AM 1160, the Quest studio this hour, and I'm Annie Porter, and I'm joined in studio by Steph Ike, and on the phone with us is Father Jim Blunt, and we're talking about this flame of love movement, and Father, we'll start talking about it, but we'll have to go to a break here. Um, in just about four minutes, but just can you like tell us how, if we were going to get involved with this flame of love movement, how would we practice this devotion? Well, um, I would recommend, uh, first of all, to use the two special prayers that I understand that you all have already posted on your website. We have, yes. This is a very good place to begin because these are prayers that were dictated from the holy lips of Jesus and Mary. They came right from the lips of Jesus and Mary, and they've both received the imprimatur. The one prayer that we said together called the Unity Prayer, and I want to tell your listeners that we'll be glad to send them that prayer card as well. If they just come by my offices here near Covington, Georgia, or call uh, my office staff, we'll be glad to give all of your listeners one or, or more that they need for their family members to begin praying the unity prayer. And the second prayer that that I call the victory prayer, and that's the little insert prayer that belongs in the Hail Mary. Without changing the Hail Mary at all, Our Lady has asked us to insert a special petition near the end of the Hail Mary. And that prayer goes like this, O Blessed Lady, spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love over all of humanity now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So after the word sinners, at the end of the Hail Mary, we would insert that little prayer. 
And so what I'm getting at is just saying these two prayers, these are the two most important prayers of the movement, saying them every day. The first one, the unity prayer, morning, noon, and night, minimum. And the second one, the insert within our Hail Marys, especially in the Holy Rosary. It will begin to to bring down the flame of love over each of our listeners and over their hearts. It's that powerful. So the first and the easiest way to begin is by saying the prayers. See, we learn more by doing, you see, than by reading. We learn more by doing. And so using these two prayers, and we'll be glad to send this prayer to your listeners. And by the way, my phone number, just in case, uh, for the offices here is area code 770-787-6468. That's our, our phone number here outside of Covington. People can come by or call us. We can send them this prayer or multiple copies of it. Now, the second idea would be to, if you have Internet, which most of our listeners do, is to look up the Flame of Love movement on the Internet. Mm-hmm. They have a very good website. It's very professionally done and explains a lot of the history of the movement and about the visionary, Elizabeth Kindleman. And there are even some very good video teaching tapes there on the website. That's the second way that's easily accessible to everyone, like this afternoon. Yeah, it's and the website, if you were interested in that, is flameoflove.us, flameoflove.us, if you were interested in going to look for more information, or you can even go on our website. The prayers are linked to that as well, and that's thequestatlanta.com. Very good. Yeah, it's really a robust site, isn't it? It is. Yes, mm-hmm. it is. And I would mention this, too. You can see this on the website, but the diary is exceptional. The diary has the imprimatur. You can order the diary. I ordered it through Amazon.com, and it came right away. You can order the full diary on on any um, book service like that. There's also an abridged form. like Now, there's a shorter form of the original diary. It's simply called The Flame of Love. And it's a much smaller book, but still comprehensive, I would say. It has about 100 pages long. And that book is usually available for free. And if your listeners want to call, again, my offices or stop by, we will give them a copy of that free of charge, the smaller abridged version. And I would highly recommend that because the book is beautiful. It has an imprimatur. And just to sit with this book in your lap and to read it, you know, slowly and carefully. Of course, it's so delicious, the book, that for some of us, you just can't read it. Just keep reading it fast. It's so exciting <laughs> to, be, to be honest about that. But then go back and read it again a second time slowly with a highlighter. And that's a good way to get acquainted with the visionary Elizabeth and really with Jesus and Mary. The way they interact with her is so delightful and so beautiful and so poignant. And it's always good to read. St. Teresa of Avila used to say that when Catholics go to adoration, they should never go alone, so to speak. They should always bring with them a Bible and or a holy book. She recommended mm-hmm. the books of the saints. Teresa of Avila, who's really a doctor of the church, especially in the spiritual life, recommended that we always go to adoration with one or two holy books with us, always, even to the nuns. Don't go without a book. Have the Bible or a saintly book, a church-approved book with you. This is a very good book to bring with us to adoration, the Flame of Love Diary. And so that's another excellent way to begin to become familiar with and to grow in this movement of the Flame of Love. 
Wow. Okay. Well, you guys, we've got to go to a quick break, but we'll be back with more from Father Jim Blunt and the Flame of Love movement. Oh my gosh, you guys, it's one of those days. (laughs) The Flame of Love movement. We'll be back. Stay tuned. Hello, I'm Chris Chambers from the Basilica of the Sacred Heart in Atlanta, Georgia. You're listening to Atlanta Catholic Radio, AM 1160, The Quest. Pregnancy Aid Clinic, a Catholic Pregnancy Resource Center, serves women in Metro Atlanta with free medical services, parenting classes, baby supplies, and more, providing options and tools families need to choose life. For information or to help a family in need, visit PregnancyAidClinic.com. The Quest presents Lesser Known Saints with Ken and Chuck. Tell us about St. Casimir of Poland. He was the third of 13 children born to King Casimir IV and Elizabeth of Austria. His devotion to God was prevalent at a tender young age, as he displayed great holiness in all that he did, even as a child. His father once ordered him to lead an army against Hungary, and although he opposed it, out of obedience, he went. But when soldiers started deserting along the way, he too turned back. Furious with him, Casimir's father banished him to the castle of Zolki. While there, King Casimir IV tried to arrange a few different marriages for Casimir, but Casimir refused each one, which is why he is honored as a patron saint of bachelors. St. Casimir died of lung disease at the age of 23. His feast day is celebrated on March 4th. He is also invoked as the patron saint of both Poland and Lithuania. For more homegrown wisdom, visit thequestatlanta.com. Does your parish, charitable organization, or ministry have an upcoming event that you'd like to promote? Advertise it on AM 1160, the Quest Community Calendar. It's easy and there's never a fee. Just visit thequestatlanta.com, click on events, and submit your activity or event. Enhance the success of your community outreach event. Take advantage of the Quest Atlanta's complimentary community calendar and gain more exposure to the Metro Faith community. Submit your event at thequestatlanta.com today. AM 1160 The Quest is your metro-wide Atlanta Catholic radio station. Our programming is rooted in the teachings of the Catholic Church and helps listeners learn new and fascinating aspects of our faith. Here at The Quest, our mission is simple and powerful, to invite, inform, and inspire listeners to embrace their journey of faith through the beauty of the Catholic Church. The Quest team continues to hear wonderful testimonies from listeners all around Atlanta. One listener shared, The Quest helps me grow my faith every day I listen. Every day, I feel the Holy Spirit talking to me through the quest. If I have a question, it seems like the answers come to me through this Catholic radio station in a timely manner. I enjoy the programming, and yes, it has changed me. It's definitely changed me. None of this would be possible without listeners just like you. We are a 100% listener-supported station. A donation of any amount helps to cover the ongoing operational expenses. Your donation is helping to bring your fellow Catholics and Christians closer to Christ. To donate, visit thequestatlanta.com. It's a good day, good day to be alive. Everyone sing now, so let's do more than just survive. That's what I'm saying. Don't lose sight of all the beauty that surrounds you. Don't let it pass you by. It's a good day to be alive. Welcome back. If you're just joining us, we're broadcasting live from the AM 1160 The Quest studio this hour. I'm Annie Porter, and I'm joined in studio by Steph Ike. And on the phone with us, we have Father Jim Blunt, and we're talking about the Flame of Love movement. 
Steph, I believe you've got one, a question for us. Yes, I do, Father. But before I ask you this question, I just want to give a shout out to some people. We have people from different states now who are starting to tune in. We do have listeners who have already started to engage with the quest from other states, but even more so now that they're coming in to listen to you, tuning in to listen or on their computers at thequestatlanta.com. And so I want to give a little shout out to some people in a few different states who've been uh, contacting us to say, hey, is Father still going to be on? Can we listen to him this Tuesday at 2 o'clock? So to Irene in Florida, Steve, Vicki, Tina in California, Mary in South Bend, Amy in Kansas, and Bill in Minnesota, thanks for listening. So now we're going to go to a question, Father. We've been talking sure. about the flame of love. And the, and is the flame of love actually the Blessed Mother and her passionate love for her children? Or is the flame of love actually Jesus and Our Lady is leading that movement? So in other words, really, who is the flame of love? Yes, very, very good. You know, there's an old, beautiful saying in the church. It goes like this. When we say Mary... She says, Jesus. <laughs> you see, it's really important. Mary is Christocentric. Mary is centered on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is, you might say, in a word, Jesus is her everything. <laughs> Mary, she lives and breathes Jesus. Jesus is her love. Jesus is her life. And Jesus is her flame. And so, yes, indeed, Jesus is the flame of love. Mary is consumed by that flame, and that's why the Holy Word of God, which is infallible, it says, my love is a consuming flame. My love is a consuming fire. That love that is a consuming fire is Jesus Christ. Now, you need to understand this. We really don't hear this very much nowadays, but Jesus is also the Father's love. Jesus Mm -hmm. is God the Father's flame. God the Father loves the Lord Jesus. That is, you might say, that's his everything. And when he sent us Jesus to die for us on the cross, he gave us the very best he had. He gave us his own flame of love. And so you see that in that way, the Virgin Mary is like the Virgin Father. Jesus is their everything. So when the Father sent Jesus to the world, John 3.16, the Father so loved the world that he sent his only Son. When he sent the Son, his flame of love became Mary's flame of love. You see, and that's, you might say that's like the Olympic runners, and they're passing the baton one to the other in a relay. So the Father passed the baton to Mary, and Mary took it, the flame of love. He was ignited inside of her through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's the same flame of love that is ignited inside of us at baptism. Mary passed the flame on to the church, and the church gives it to us in holy baptism. So indeed, Jesus is the flame of love. And I think for us, for our times now, in 2020, is a very special time, as some prophets have already said, both Catholic and non-Catholic prophets, that the year 2020 is very much the year of clear vision, like the eye doctors might say. It's a time of clear vision mm-hmm. this year of 2020. God wants to give you and I clear vision, yes, of the real problems behind the world, which is basically Satan and sin, and the real answer, which is Jesus and Mary. 
Jesus is Mary's and the Father's flame of love. If we look upon the earth, two things that I see as striking as we look all over the earth, the different cities and countries, the two things we need the most are contained right here in this new movement. And what's that? The first is love. That the world, and in a very particular way, the media of our country and Europe, the media is filled with a lack of charity, a tremendous amount of hatred on the media and throughout the world. There's a lack of love that we need to respect one another and, yes, respect our leaders as well, both in the church and the government. We should have respect and love for everyone. Throughout the world, and the Bible says, St. Paul says in the final days, there would be a marked lack of charity, that men's hearts and their love would grow cold, St. Paul says. So we need love to revive again throughout the world. And love only comes from heaven. Truly, it only comes from heaven, because God is love. And you might say, love is God. So Real love comes from the real God in heaven. We need love desperately like never before, even in the church. But you also could add this, that besides the fact that there's hatred everywhere in selfishness and pride, there's also this problem which is consequent, and that is there's, there's death everywhere, that, that people are dead Cities are dead. Churches are dead. We are among the walking dead, like the word they use today, zombies, like a bunch of zombies. We're among the walking dead because there can be no life without love. You see, life was meant for love. Life wasn't meant for selfishness or for hatred. Life was meant for love and eventually for eternal love on high in the glory of heaven. And so what's needed is not only love, but life. Our life on earth needs to be invigorated. We need a new flame because people are walking around dead, probably because of fear. We need a flame to catch all of us on fire again, not a flame of lust or a flame of of pride or sin. We need a flame of love is what we need. Mm -hmm. And so you can see that in this movement and as in all things that come from God, it's so prescient, it's so wise. In the very name of this movement that comes from heaven, that was prophesied so long ago about Mary's Immaculate Heart, in the very name you can see the solution to the problems of the world. We need a flame, and it needs to be a flame of love. We need a new invigoration of life, an invigoration in the direction of heavenly, pure, chaste, and godly love. So in the flame of love, it is actually Jesus Christ. He is the flame. He is the love of the Father's heart and of Mary's heart. And so this movement is calling on the entire world, not only his beloved Catholic people, but for all peoples to make Jesus their flame and their love, to invite Jesus into our hearts. That's for everyone. And I would dare to say this. It's not politically correct, even in the church. We have to get back to the gospel truth, that the Lord invites every Buddhist and every Hindu and every Muslim and indeed every atheist and every agnostic, every Taoist, to receive the Lord Jesus Christ into their hearts as their Lord and Savior, as their flame of love. 
There's only one name given to the entire earth, only one name by which man can be saved. That name is Jesus. He is the flame of love. So this movement of Mary's Immaculate Heart is to bring the flame of love that is Jesus Christ that's within her to all of Atlanta and to the human race. It actually works. It's not just words. It actually works. If we call upon the Holy Mother, whoever we are, maybe we're a Protestant listening right now, even a beautiful, good Protestant can call on the name of Mary, and she will send down the flame of love from heaven into their hearts. But this is what we need, a new flame and a flame of divine and joyful love. It is Jesus. So powerful. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's hard to even leave the conversation about the flame of love because you've just sort of left us wrapped. Like I feel like I'm floating a little bit right now. But we do have a couple of questions. If you don't mind if we get... Uh, spend a few minutes just giving you a couple of questions that we've had sent in to us. Would you have time sure. for that? Okay. Um, one of them is, um, Father, how do I know when God is speaking to me? Well, that's an excellent question. Uh, there are, are many um, spiritual leaders <clears throat> who might tell us and tell Catholics, you know, don't have a, a true, a deep spiritual life. Don't listen to voices. Like, shut out the whole thing. Throw out the baby with the bathwater. But however, sacred scripture actually says this, and that has to be, you know, our number one catechism in the Catholic Church is the Bible. That's our first catechism. And in the Bible, in the four Gospels, we hear these sacred words infallibly from the Lord Jesus Christ, the one Savior of the world. He says this. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and they know me. They hear my voice. So we don't want to preclude from our Christian life the voice of God. We need the voice of God because we need his guidance. We can know the whole Catholic faith, and we need to know it, and yet still every day opportunities and challenges are, arise every day. And how do I know which way to go, how to answer this question, what decision to make? Sometimes we need the direct guidance of the Holy Spirit. And this is part of our birthright as Roman Catholic Christians, for all Christians. We can hear the voice of Jesus. Now, how do we discern that voice? Well, the criteria are, are simple but profound. And one of them, of course, we always mention this one, is the voice of truth. That Jesus is the truth, right? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's given us the magisterium. That's Pope Francis and the bishops united with him. He's given us the magisterium to help us to discern the truth correctly at all times. So if I ever hear a word from an interior voice, and we should have interior voices, but if there is a false voice, we just say, be gone in the name of Jesus. A true voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit, will never contradict the truth. The truth will never contradict the truth. And so, in other words, the voices that I hear, first of all, must pass the test of truth. Does the voice, what it speaks to me, is it consonant with the catechism of the Catholic Church? Is it in agreement with the Holy Bible itself? Is it in agreement with what the magisterium teaches? Now, most of the time it will be if we're living a godly life, but there are lying spirits. So the first criteria, of course, is truth. 
is this voice saying something to me that is in disagreement with the teachings of the church, or is it in agreement with the church? That's the first test, of course. It has to be um, consistent with what the church, God's infallible church, guided by the Holy Spirit, what he's taught us. Now, here's uh, three more criteria that are very, very important to know. The first one, I would say, is love. After truth, you look for love. Is the voice, is it, a, is it a loving voice? But in particular, is it leading me to love? So in other words, the direction I'm being given by this interior voice, is it leading me on to an act of charity, like of self-sacrifice and service for another? Or is it leading me in a selfish way, in a way that's prideful or selfish or hateful? If it's leading me in a hateful way, it's not from God. God is love. So the voices and the leadings of the Holy Spirit are always, they come from love, God, and they lead you and I into love. So if I hear a voice that says to me, forgive your sister, forgive your brother, that's probably from God. If I hear a voice that says, slap your sister, slap your brother, <laughs> it's probably not from God. And that's funny, but I work with a lot of people in spiritual direction, and they've heard some strange things. It, we had to tell them, no, that's not from God. That's not a very loving thing to do, you see? Yeah. So to be aware of that, that God leads me into the fullness of charity. He leads me to love. That is our destiny. It's our origin and our destiny is perfect love. Now, a third criteria that's also incredibly important, and I look for this sometimes first, is the presence of God's peace. God is a peaceful God. When I have a voice or a spirit that agitates me, that makes me nervous and frightened, normally it's not from God, normally. Because God is the God of peace, and Jesus came to establish peace on the earth. He is the Prince of Peace. So normally in most circumstances, in most situations, the voice is peaceful, and it leads me to a greater peace, a divine peace. Like, all is well with my soul. If the voice leads me to anxiety or to fear or to hatred, it's, n it's not from God. God leads me into a greater peace. Then there's a fourth criteria, and there are others as well, but these are the four most important ones. The fourth one is this, is joy. The Holy Spirit, he is the oil of gladness. Would you give me a break? That's his name. And I hear too many Catholics who speak and preach with sadness. Mm -hmm. God is not a morbid God. The devil is morbid. He's the angel of death. God is the God of life. And he actually said, his divine son said this, I have come that Atlanta might have joy and have it to the full. I have come, as the reason I've come is to bring my chosen people throughout Atlanta into the spirit of holy joy. I have come, he says, from the place of joy, heaven, to bring that joy to the earth. And so joy is a very important criteria of the spiritual life. One saint actually said this, joy is the surest sign of the presence of God. We can fake peace sometimes. I've seen it many times. We can even fake love. It's hard to fake joy. You see, when our, when our laughs are fake or empty, people can tell right away. Mm -hmm. Joy, there's something about joy that's very hard to fake, a true and deep and godly joy. 
And so that's a very important criteria that we see, does this message, does this voice, does this spirit, does it lead me to a greater joy, a wholesome joy, a chaste joy? It makes me feel better and happy. Then there's a very good uh, sign that it is from God, a very good test there that it's from God, because God wants his children happy. Maybe with carrying the crosses, say without crosses, but crosses and sufferings do not equal sadness. Joy overcomes the cross. We still have a cross, but now we carry the cross with joy. There's a beautiful poem by Catherine Doherty, whose cause for canonization has been opened in Canada. The great foundress of Madonna House, she started that great Catholic movement at the request of Pope Pius XII. And she has an amazing poem, and she was quite a writer. But there's a poem that she wrote about the Lord and the Passion. And one stanza in Catherine, Catherine Doherty's poem goes like this. And Jesus, when he was handed the cross by the Roman soldiers, he slapped it to his face. He put his face against the cross. He looked forward and he smiled. Hmm. It was a riveting poem by Catherine Doherty. And I read that as a, as a young man and never forgot it. It was, it was so, it to me, it was such an impulse of, of a phenomenon, really, of revelation to me, that Jesus slapped his cheek against the cross and the cross against his cheek. He looked up to carry it, and he smiled. You see, the Lord was not miserable. The Lord was joyful. And he knew to carry that cross would be nothing less in the salvation of millions and millions of souls, to the honor of his Father, and to our everlasting glory as well. He knew that he would bring glory to his Father, salvation to souls, if he could just get through with this holy act of obedience. So he did it freely, he did it joyfully. And so joy is amazingly important I I would say this, joy is not a nicety, joy is a necessity. It's not a nicety, it's a necessity. And the visions of our Lord and the words of our Lord, ultimately, in the end, they bring joy, you see, because life is not bearable without joy. And that has been, I think, Satan's whole attack on the human race in these last 20 years, if not the last 50 years, if not the last 100 years, is to submerge and drown this entire world in sadness and hopelessness. It's been like, you might say, his chief goal. Because, you see, we were not meant to be sad. We were meant for joy. We were meant for heaven, where heaven is constant, ecstatic, mystical joy forever. With no interruption, no sin, no sadness, no sickness, no arguments. It's full of love and joy to the brim forever. We were meant for joy. We were not meant for sadness. Sadness, you might say, is antithetical to the human race. The devil knows this, you see. He's the most miserable of them all. And when I was a little boy, my daddy used to say to me, Jimmy, he said, misery loves company. And as a priest, I see how true that is with Satan. He's the most miserable being in the universe. He lost everything. He's the most miserable creature in the world, and he wants company. He wants all of us to be miserable with him. And we want to say through the flame of love today, no, no, no. The flame of love is a flame of joy. 
It's God's free gift to Atlanta and to the human race. I refuse to wallow in sin or sadness. I refuse. I will walk in joy, the joy that my Jesus purchased for me at the price of his blood. I want the joy of the Lord, and I will have the joy of the Lord. I was made for joy. I am destined for joy. And I will begin to live that joy today. Wow. Unfortunately, our hour is coming to a close, and we're so thankful, Father Jim, to have you on again and to just give us that encouragement and spiritual guidance that we we really need right now. And for everyone out there, if you didn't catch the whole interview, it's going to be up online and on our app um, in the next few days, and we'll make sure to announce that on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. When that happens, you can find us by searching for The Quest Atlanta. And if you don't have the app yet, you can go to the App Store or on Google Play and search for The Quest Atlanta and just press download. It's really easy. Uh, Father, would you close us out this hour with a prayer? Sure, it would be my honor. And just, just to say thank you to you all, Annie, you and Stephanie and the whole team. Thank you for the opportunity to share Jesus. It's one of the greatest joys in our life is to share the Lord Jesus with others. Amen. It's an honor to it have is. you with us. It is. Thank you. And I, I love you and I love your people. And I'll be praying for all of your listeners the rest of the day. We, we are a prayer team here in Covington. We are a team of prayer warriors. We'll be praying for all of your listeners and for the whole diocese. And here's the prayer that I know that you all recommended. We say it again on the air. Let's do it again now, the unity prayer. Okay. We'll at least begin with that as a closing prayer. Great. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. By the way, it's good to say this prayer morning, noon, and night. I'd strongly recommend it. And I'd also recommend that you all memorize this prayer so you can say it at any time during the day. This will literally blind the evil one right now. Mm. Would you say this after me? Yes. My adorable Jesus. My adorable Jesus. May our feet journey together. May our feet journey together. May our hands gather in unity. May our hands gather in unity. May our hearts beat in unison. May our hearts beat in unison. May our souls be in harmony. May our souls be in harmony. May our thoughts be as one. May, May our, our thoughts, thoughts be as one. May our ears listen to the silence together. May our ears listen to the silence together. May our glances profoundly penetrate each other. May our glances profoundly penetrate each other. May our lips pray together. May our lips pray together. To gain mercy from the Eternal Father. To gain mercy from the Eternal Father. Amen. 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 And sisters, let's pray the victory prayer, the little tiny insert to the Hail Mary. Okay. If we just say this after me. Okay. Okay. Oh, blessed lady. Oh, blessed lady. Spread the effect of grace. Spread the effect of grace. Of thy flame of love. Of thy flame of love. Over all of humanity. Over all of humanity. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May the unutterably beautiful God, our closest friend, may he fill you, Stephanie and Annie and all of the listeners, may he fill you and the Archdiocese with the flame of holy love, the flame of holy joy. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, all of our listeners out there, for choosing to listen to AM 1160 The Quest today. Stay tuned as the Divine Mercy Chaplet's coming up next. Thank you, Father.
You're welcome. Thank you, too.